Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. And we coming from a basement to your headphones. Barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown. In a wild top in the trunk. Thank you for downloading the podcast, Theanos. Now here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. In the background, feeling like I'm never gonna get what I deserve because I'm showing in the, in the background, knowing that I'm gonna give it everything I got. Welcome into another episode of the podcast, Theanos in Isolation. I'm Jordan Hall, and I'm joined as always by a deviant who butters his Pop Tarts. It's Eric Wayne. <laughs> there was just like a joke throwaway tweet like i i joked about uh being surprised that people don't butter their pop tarts and people just went nuts they thought it was deviant okay I, well i mean you are break just it maybe you. not for this specific incident <laughs> people were taking that very very seriously no i do not butter my pop tarts but you know, maybe maybe you should. The crust part needs a little extra love. I think with with the right flavor profile, buttering it could be okay. It'd be weird to butter like s'mores or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can smear some more fat on something, you really got to go for it. Yeah. So how are you holding up? It's been a been, been a uh, week, huh? Well, I I came into this thing kind of nuts, and I haven't gotten any better. I can tell you that. So I don't know. I get a little stir crazy from time to time. You know. You drive past people on the road and you kind of look a little longer into their window and you're like, oh, wow, a human being. It's amazing. It's a little creepy. Can you, you name like the last creeper. time you wore a belt? <laughs> Pajama pants are the the wave of the future. And I find myself like um, I would never do this with jeans. But if I'm like having a little snack or something, just wipe your hands on your pajama pants bottoms. You know, it's fine. Nobody knows. You can be very slovenly. <laughs> You're not going to see anybody. So obviously you've been at home more time than normal. Have you had the time to make peace with the, with the yard turkeys? Oh, man. No, well, I, all right. You ready for a story? I did not <laughs> plan this. I had not planned this at all. But I have a grill right outside uh, my house on my deck. And for some reason, these blackbirds have decided that is the place that they are going to build their nest. And it's a gas grill, so it's got a hole underneath. And they... They just keep keep putting bringing the nest stuff in there, and I open it out and I tear out all the sticks and debris and so forth, and they just come right back. They come right back, and I and I clear it out, and then I ignite the grill and I burn everything up, and then 
you know, that then uh, they come back and they're building again, like they're bent, like this is the place. So I did it again, burn everything. And then I put tape over the back and all the taped up all the holes. And then I had to grill the other day. So I clean it all out. I undo my tape and I grill my burgers. And I thought, oh, those birds have been gone long enough. They're not going to try this on my grill again, are they? <laughs> sure enough, it wasn't, it wasn't. The, that grill barely cooled off. The stupid birds are right back in there, and I'm losing my mind. And I so I run out there, and I then they had a whole bundle of sticks and stuff again. So I burned them all again, like a like a crematory, and then I taped it all up again. And now it's taped up because I don't. What is with birds with me? It's so stupid. I love the idea that I mean I'm sure it's not because birds have very small brains. But I love the idea of this being personal. Like they don't actually oh, care they, about they, putting they, the nest there. They just want to irritate you. They talk to the freaking turkeys, is what that is, and they're just meaning to terrorize me. Yeah, some 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 sort of avian alliance. I, I like it. I was gonna oh, conspiracy. <laughs> I was gonna ask you if you had, did any uh, special projects or anything creative this week, but I, now I know how you spent all yeah, of your I, time. I tape, duct tape my freaking grill shut. Stupid birds. Arts and crafts with Eric. I did not plan on saying that. That was probably boring to everybody, but that's what I did. Nature trying to take back their planet while we're all inside. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have a very special guest again on the show um, tonight, Evan Woodbury of M Live. Uh, apparently, we're just using this time when there's no actual baseball to talk to the people that we've always wanted to talk to or want to talk to again. I think that'll be just the the route going forward. Yeah, that's great. And sorry I had to ruin this introduction with a bird rant. Uh, Evan was very insightful. He had some good things to say. We're going to cover talk topics uh, like ALK line, what we saw in spring. What's the future of baseball? And I think Evan had some good insights on all that stuff. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can on Twitter. I am at JordanHall23. Eric is at Eric Wayne's Brain. Po at Podcastianos and at Evan Woodbury. Although if you're listening to the show, that's a pretty good chance you already follow Evan. On Instagram, I am at Jordino4. Yep. And we'd love it if you take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, or whatever other platform you're listening to the show on. Hey, friends. Do you love podcasts like the one you just listened to? Have you ever dreamed about having your own? Well, my name is Michael, and I work for TruthWork Media. We believe that everyone has a story, and every story deserves a podcast. Let us help you get started. Look us up at www.truthworkmedia.com, fill out our questionnaire, and I'll schedule a time to talk. It's really that easy. TruthWork Media. Everyone has a story. Yours needs a podcast. Eric and I are pleased to be joined tonight by a friend of the show, and maybe more importantly, MLive Tigers beat writer Evan Woodbury. Evan, thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. So what have you been up to during the lockdown? Tiger King, like like the rest of us, I'm assuming? Yes, I did actually finish that uh, just last night. So I'm a, a couple of weeks behind the rest of America, but I, I wanted to be able to have conversations with everyone else about it. But it was one of those things I'd read so much about it that it kind of spoiled a lot of the surprises for me. I think if I just watched it initially with everybody else, it would have been more exciting. But no, I, yeah, I've been doing that. And, you know, really, when all this started, I was in Colombia. I'd taken a break from spring training. I, I'd covered the beginning of spring training, and then I was going to go back and cover the end of spring training. Uh, but all this, obviously, it, it quickly became clear there would be no end of spring training to cover. Right. And uh, so I, I got back to Detroit 
and you know like like i said it's been groundhog day ever since just kind of like everybody else at home uh writing what i can write but at a certain point when you, there's no start date to the season what can you do really i mean there's only so many so many times you can speculate about the roster or, or write about this year when you're not even 100% sure if there is going to be a this year, you know, and all those wasted hours spent debating Dawel Lugo's future will, uh, <laughs> will have no impact whatsoever. So, I mean, you, you have to, at a certain point, you just have to say, okay, it's, let's pump the brakes on, on the 2020 season and until we get some more information about whether there is going to be a, a 2020 season. Yeah. So, so what is your day-to-day uh role look like like do you you go into the office i mean how how is this affecting your work no i I would say i'm less affected in the sense that i've never i mean it's been years since i've had an office really that i went into on any regular basis i've always worked from home so working from home or from a remote site really isn't that big of a deal for me uh so in that sense it's not really it's just kind of like the off season has lasted forever i mean this feels like it's January and I'm just kind of coming up with story ideas until spring training starts. I'm kind of in that off season mode, except off season has been going on seemingly forever. Uh, and I've exhausted all possible stories. And, <laughs> and ideas. Uh, so that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of my life. And I mean, I'm trying to think of things that are, you know, more like th- last year I ranked stadiums this year. I ranked old stadiums. I've got more historical stuff like that coming stuff that maybe is not too geared towards the 2020 season. Just cause like I said, I, I just, once they, if there is a season and they give a start date, there'll be plenty of time to, to debate all the, the storylines that got left off, you know, when spring training ended a month ago right. uh, and doing it right now, I just, you know, and, and the other issue is that I think I'm sure you guys see it, it's the traffic is up Generally speaking, everybody wants news about, uh, you know, the pandemic, obviously, but yeah. for sports, sports, the traffic has plummeted. There's not a lot of people reading about sports right sure. now because there's no sports going on. So, you know, I'm, I, it's to a certain extent, even if I had a, a really great story in my back pocket ready to go, this would not be the time to unveil it because no one right. would read it right now just because no one is is focused on baseball or, or basketball. They're focused on you know, the, the big news story right now that, that has dominated the world for the last month. Well, we're going to have a little chance to, you know, debate the pros and cons of Dowell Lugo, maybe a little bit later on talk <laughs> about spring training. But I, I think one of the, the main things I wanted to ask you about was, um, obviously this past week, uh, Mr. Tiger Al Kaline passed away. Um, and he's obviously had a huge impact on the Tigers, the Tigers community, city of Detroit. I, I wonder if you've had, um, any chance to meet with him, speak with him. And if you could, share with us a little bit your impressions of his impact on on the on the club yeah i mean i, I remember my first spring training uh and i ended up talking to it was the first thing i told my, my mom's husband kind of grew up in that era loved al k-line it was you know k-line and harman killebrew and mickey mantle you know the the titans of that era and uh, he was just he thought it was the coolest thing in the world that i got to meet al k-line and I remember telling him, I said, I couldn't, I think I must have Googled his age or something because it was the first time I, I encountered or met him in person. And I just, I couldn't believe he was in his eighties. I mean, he, he was, yeah. he was in such great shape physically. I mean, he could literally, literally did go out and shag fly balls and, you know, 
suit up in a uniform and was out there taking batting practice with, with the players. I mean, he was in phenomenal shape and obviously extremely mentally sharp. And this spring training was the first time that I'd seen him and where he actually looked like he, and like an 80 yeah. year old man. Yeah, I mean, it was the first so. time. Yeah. He, that, uh, sadly that, you know, the, the, the years had caught up, but, uh, that was the, the striking impression that I always had of him is, is, is I always thought, you know, if I, if I'm only so lucky to, to be in such great shape when I'm, when I'm 80 years old. Uh, but also, you know, I, I think everybody's read the tributes and they're all true. I mean, the fact is he, he was a, a true gentleman. He was incredibly self-effacing, incredibly humble. And, you know, he did have a real knack for, uh, you know, communicating with and reaching players that had no firsthand experience of his playing career uh, and that was one of the things I wrote about was just that, you know, I think it's kind of a, a lesson to all of us is that don't take a single thing away from his playing career. He was one of the greatest that ever put to play the game. But in all the tributes, no one's talking about how many home runs he hit. They're talking about yeah. the type of person he was, the type of personal interactions they had with him. And, you know, that's that's something uh, I thought was really pretty amazing. And the other thing that I and just I forget who I was talking about this with, but we we're talking about the amazing the fact that he signed with the Tigers at 18 and was pretty much a member of the organization in one way or another till the day he died. Uh, and someone that's following the same path, Alan Trammell, also someone that, you know, I, I think is, you could compare to Al Kaline in the sense that first class people, uh, very humble, very self-effacing, uh, really just as nice in, in real life as they are on television. Uh, and I think that's a, a tribute to them both that, that I put them in the same category uh, mm-hmm. because I really think Alan Trammell is, is following that same, that same path where he's a, a tiger for life and someone that, you know, really he's someone that, uh, I mean, I think you can say, wow, it's, it's, that's a really cool thing that, that he's associated with the Tigers because he's the exact type of person uh, in both Alan Kaline and Alan Trammell that you want to be associated with the Tigers because he, they really, um, you know, they, they, they are who they seem to be. They're, they're not, there's nothing phony about them, about uh, they're exactly as you would expect them to be. And, you know, there's that cliche that someone said that, you know, like you meet your hero and you find out that you're, you're just as, they're just as you imagined. Uh, that was kind of the, the way with Al Kaline for so many people. And I think that's, that's really cool because uh, it's, as we all know, that's not always the case. Now I'm curious. He he obviously spent a lot of time with Trammell in spring training. Does does the the mantle of being bros with with Trammell now fall to Leland? Is that the the new power couple in town? <laughs> that would be something. Yeah, I mean, really, that's uh, quite possibly. And but you know, I mean, it, Jim Leland's another guy that, uh, and I was I was talking. I think I actually wrote this. I can't remember what I've wrote. It's, it's been a weird few weeks. I've forgotten what I've written and what I've just talked with other people about. But the idea that, that the Tigers have, you know, some the Tigers are sometimes called old-fashioned. They're sometimes called stodgy. But I like the fact that Al Avila has people like Al Kaline around or people like Alan Trammell around or people like Jim Leland around all the time. And they're not just there, you know, they're not just there, uh, you know, for show. They're, he really – consults with him they're in on the meetings if he wants them to go look at a player they'll go look at a player uh he takes their input and listens to it and i I like the fact that he that he has good you know baseball people around him that he really listens to and i think that's that's to his credit and not 
you know, and if that's old fashioned, that's, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good way of being old fashioned because that was, you know, you, Jim Leland is, is another guy you see around all the time and hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll be around for many more years and, you know, in, in, in the same way that he'll be, uh, he'll kind of be around the organization until, until he's, well, for many more, many more years to come. <laughs> so let's flash back to what seems like, I don't know, kind of an ethereal dreamland when baseball was actually being played. Um, we were at one point preparing for a season. Feels like a totally different era. Who were some of the players that were catching your eye down in Lakeland before it all happened? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because one of the last transactions they did was to option a player that uh, I had as a dark horse candidate to, to win a roster spot uh, in um, in uh, <laughs> oh, in Troy Stokes Jr. Troy Stokes Jr. Yeah, uh, because you know it's funny because they you've got an extra roster spot. I really thought they would just go with someone that's swinging a hot bat or just try to take kind of a you know see see what whosoever hottest and be like, okay, you're coming north with us to Detroit and we're going to try to catch catch lightning in a bottle here. But all that goes out the window now because, you know, it's like, well, congratulations, you were really swinging a hot bat two months ago. <laughs> That's not going to do us a lot of good now. Uh, and kind of the same way with, with pitchers too. I mean, it's it's great that that uh, the Taiwanese pitcher Chang was, was having a great spring, but that doesn't really mean a whole lot uh, when, when spring training restarts. The I guess the, the one thing I found notable was, was Tyler Alexander, uh, the lefty who made his debut last year. I was a huge fan of him last year. Really, I understand why they went out and, and signed Nova, but I was kind of bummed because that it effectively blocked him from the, the starting rotation, at least at the start of the year. Uh, but they were seemed really committed to finding a way to get Alexander on the team in some capacity or another. And now with the prospect of playing a lot of doubleheaders, playing with very few off days. I mean, you could even see him coming in as with an expanded roster as, as the number six starter. Uh, just they're, they're going to obviously find a way to get him on the roster now. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, he, he really picked up where he left off last year. And it reminded me a little bit of, of Spencer Turnbull, uh, the pre- prior spring where he right. had a nice debut and came into spring and really wasn't expected to win a job, but he just picked up right where he left off the previous year, had a great spring and made it impossible to leave him off the roster. And that's kind of what Tyler Alexander was doing uh, up until the end of spring. So I, I would, I would put him in the list of someone who, who stood out and, and really acquitted himself well during the, the abbreviated spring period. Yeah. So uh, the, the one guy who captured my imagination more than anybody else was Riley green because you have this young kid, he's in camp, he starts hitting and it's almost like they couldn't get rid of him. Uh, what was your, what's your early take on Riley green? Really impressive, really impressive. Um, but you know, with a, with a grain of salt that, you know, it was, it was a matter of six or eight or 10 at bats in, in spring training and, you know the reality okay, is, with, yeah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> you know the reality is that, barring a surprise, he's he's still a long way from from the big leagues. the The interesting thing will be is at some point, you know, and it, realistically, it could happen as soon as next year. The Tigers will go from a rebuilding phase to a more urgent phase, and then you know some of the the old rules about 
when you could bring guys up or waiting to bring guys up, it might go out the window. Uh, and so, you know, if, if at some point Riley green works himself, works his way up to double a starts swinging a hot bat and the tigers have a need, maybe they go to him earlier than if he had been drafted a few years earlier and he was coming of age in the, the true heart of the rebuilding when they would be, you know, very hesitant to, to rush him, very hesitant to, to push him along any faster, you know, maybe things start to change. Uh, I, you know, to go back to the, the pandemic issue is, is what I wonder about. Obviously, we don't know whether we're going to have a major league season. I think it's extraordinarily unlikely that there will be minor league seasons because, hmm. you know, there's no minor league teams cannot survive without fans in the stand. There will be no right. there'd be no reason to stage games uh, without fans in the stands. So I, I guess you'd have maybe all your top prospects back in in Lakeland. And you just tell the rest to go home or maybe you just have the rest kind of acting as extras for the benefit of your top prospects, because um, that's kind of this is a key point of development for a guy like Riley Green, yeah. even more so, I think, than than, say, Casey Mize or Matt Manning, uh, because I think you could even spin it as an advantage for some of the prospects, maybe have fewer innings. Um, you know, the it's not. You don't have to throw them in the minor league just for the sake of, of going through the motions. I, I, for a guy like Riley Green, you know, this is a much more critical point in his development, and you wonder how do you handle that development when there's no when there's no games. I mean, I guess um, you know just do your best with maybe simulated games in Lakeland. It'll be real interesting to see how how that ends up working out because I don't even have a good guess how they do that. Another guy that this comes at a really terrible time for is Franklin Perez. Um, you saw him a couple times this spring. This can't be good for his development. First, what did you see from him? And um, have you heard anything about what the plan is for him? That, no, that's a, a good question as well. And the original plan was to start him at, at Lakeland for weather purposes. And then when it was warm enough in Erie to get him up, assuming everything was going well in, in Lakeland to get him uh, up to Erie pretty quickly. And I really think they were... At this point, you know, he, he's – and I don't mean this in a negative way, but he's kind of just another guy now. and He's not he's not a elite prospect anymore. Now, he can push his way back into being an elite prospect, but I could see them more uh, almost – in other words, there'd be no reason to hold him back. There'd be no reason to treat him with kid gloves. If he started pitching well, I mean, he's a good guy that you could say, okay, we need a – we need a spot starter out of Erie, but we don't want to mess up our top prospects. Let's bring up Franklin here, give him a stop, a stop, spot start. That's actually tough to say. Or maybe you know we need a, we've got a double header. We need a long reliever. Let's bring up Franklin for a day. I, I mean, I could really see them pushing the envelope a little bit more with him, just because uh, he hasn't pitched much, and there's there's you know he's no longer in that upper echelon of, of Manning and Mize. And, you know, this is a time to see what he can do. Uh, it's almost, I don't want to say sink or swim just yet because he's still really, really young. But I, I don't think they have to go through a lot of the, you know, the motions of, of, that you would normally do with, a, with an elite prospect of, of kind of having him take each step gradually, making sure he has success at each step. I think, you know, if, he, if he's pitching well, get him up there and see what can happen. So I, I really think that was that could have happened this year he's kind of in a weird position too, because even if there's an expanded roster, uh, he would theoretically, 
presumably not be among the 28, 29 or 30 players, but then what do you do with them? Right. Uh, it's like, just like you said, what, what do you do? I mean, you can sure throw them, send them to Lakeland, throw simulated games, I guess, but that's not really going to just, him just the, him and Riley the down there in Lakeland yeah. all, all summer long. <laughs> I mean, Franklin and Riley and then eight extras, yeah. eight guys, just, just uh, shagging flies or something. Yeah. You can face each other 36 bats per game or something. No, it, it'll be interesting. It, that's that's something they're going to have to to work out, and I guess all of baseball is going to have to work out to some degree as well. Well, I think that brings us to the point where we have to talk about this a little bit, and that is where do we go from here? You've speculated a little bit, but are you hearing any rumors about plans for restarting the season um, beyond any information you might have? I mean, what, what imagination might you have for a season? Uh, you mentioned, um, you, you mentioned, you know, what might happen to the minor league teams and stuff. Um, as far as I understand, there's kind of a, Arizona only plan that's floating around there. I saw a plan floating around that would be the, I'll call it the grape, uh, the grapefruit versus cactus league kind of format where that would replace the American league and nationally. Uh, do you have any information? And if not uh, speculate, what, <laughs> what, what could work? What couldn't work? What do you think? Well, what uh, Rob Manfred said today, actually, his quote was, "We don't we don't have plans. We have we have ideas." <laughs> and I think, I mean, those are two ideas that I don't want to say they make sense, but they're not totally implausible. And even if you think that they're largely implausible, even if you think there's only say a five or ten percent chance that they could work, you the baseball needs to be thinking about them in it right now because if they don't start thinking about it now, there's going to be a 0% chance that it can work. And I really think, I mean, it, yes, if, if you had presented this idea to us a month ago, it would have seemed so outlandish and ridiculous that we wouldn't even be able to consider it. But now you have to say, well, do you want any baseball at all in, in 2020? And if you do, then you may have to start considering crazy ideas like this one. I mean, to me, that. A lot of the their hurdles have already been addressed with Arizona. You know, the, there are hurdles that would exist no matter where you were playing it. The big thing I think about is is the weather because it really is miserable there in the summer. And yeah. The time zone issue also presents an issue because if you have games that are 7 o'clock in Arizona, which is when it starts to cool down just a little bit to make it playable, it's 10 p.m. here in Detroit – and that kind of defeats the purpose if you're having for the if you're doing it for the purposes of television, you'd almost have to do it early in the day, maybe like a 9 a.m. game out there for a noon start time in on the East Coast, uh, or maybe you could switch it around where if there are games involving East Coast teams, you could play in the morning. If it's involving West Coast teams, you could play it at night. Uh, but no, it, there, there'd be hurdles there, and I think that's why most of the Grapefruit League teams would prefer just staying at their own sites in the Grapefruit League. Yeah. The hurdle there is that unlike Phoenix, where it's all everybody's within 45 minutes of each other in, in Florida, it's much more spread out. So, I mean, there's no there's no perfect solution. And I, I still have some questions about how it could all be pulled off. But uh, I, I don't think it's implausible. I, the, the only the bigger picture issue is and I don't really know how most fans feel about it. I mean, just, for example, you think in Detroit, the. All, the reverence for the 1984 team or the 1968 team and you know 
you think, well, when they if someone wins the 2020 World Series that is played in an 80-game season entirely in spring training stadiums, empty spring training stadiums, you know, is that going to be is that going to be an almost such a farce band. that you don't want to hang a banner for that? Or would it be, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it would be the opposite. Maybe it'd be, wow, our team really came together under these bizarre yeah. circumstances and, and won a title. I'm not sure. But I just, it would be weird to be watching highlights of your World Series team, you know, on the 20-year anniversary or something, and it's all played in an empty stadium in, in the middle of the desert. That would just, it would seem strange. And I, I guess that's, at a certain point, okay, you say, is it such a farce that we don't want to have any baseball at all? For me, no. For me, it, it could almost never reach that point because I think any baseball at all would be better than no baseball. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know how the average fan feels on that. I just think, it's, you know, really not just baseball, but any sport I think would be helpful if, if, they could, if there's a way to pull it off safely. I think everybody is uh, everybody if they would be can eager find to see it- that. If they can find a way to do it, they're going to have a lot of eyeballs because, you know, yes. they'll be the only game in town. Yeah, the whole sequester the players thing, I don't know if that's going to work at all. I mean, can you imagine Miguel Cabrera living in Fetzer Hall? With these guys? <laughs> I just, I think they're going to have to, some of the restrictions in society are going to have to be loosened somewhat to make this work. And I think that's just a function of the news a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't know, like, but um, I, I, you're right though in the fact that you have to be imagining now if we're going to see anything, and it sounds like they're the the imaginations are there. So I don't know. There, there wasn't a question there. I'll take over. <laughs> uh, so Evan, let's talk about you a little bit. Um, you've been now three seasons in Detroit. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess almost four now. Yeah, this will be the the fourth summer. Coming. Wow. So give us a, a little bit of an overview of your first couple of years. You're you're settled in, got your feet under the desk. I'm sure you and Beck have a text thread <laughs> going on. Uh, what's the experience been like for you? No, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's I came in I guess late in the 2016 season, and that was really unfortunately, as it turned out, the only experience with really good playoff contention baseball and I was it was exciting because every I came in and you know every game mattered uh every play was scrutinized because really that people forget that 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 year's team was actually competing for a playoff spot until the, the literal last game of the season which was uh in Atlanta the final game at, at uh, Turner Field so they were in it till the very end and uh it was actually you know kind of an exciting pennant race um if you want to call it that so in that sense, the last three years have been a lot different than the first, and it's been kind of an adjustment just because you're you're going from a mode where every game matters and you know every decision by the manager matters and every pinch hitter and relief pitcher can be scrutinized and debated. And then, you know, when you're, the team is 30 games under 500, not only does it not matter, no one cares. And so you have to kind of go to a different mode of – of uh, reporting and writing and that, and actually that was kind of an adjustment. It still is to a certain extent The the benefit of it is I will say in general, uh, you know, a lot of people assume that, Oh, there's a negative when it's a losing team, there's a negative attitude in the clubhouse. So people are always grumpy or angry or upset and nobody likes to lose. But in general, the, 
play, a lot of the players are just young guys that are getting an opportunity, or in some cases, old guys that are getting an opportunity that they weren't sure that they would ever get. And they're happy to be there. You know, really, they're, they're, yeah, it's a good point. They're uh, really excited to be playing in the big leagues. And I mean, even last year, the team was obviously terrible, but there were tons of guys who weren't ever sure that they would get a chance to play or play regularly in the big leagues that were getting that chance. And, you know, they were, they were happy to be there. So I, I think the other thing is that in general, younger players tend to be less jaded in overall mm -hmm. than, than veterans. But in that sense, it's been a, it's been kind of fun covering a younger team or at least at least not always younger, sometimes just inexperienced team um, because the players have been really, really great. Uh, it's I mean, really, I, you know, you think of the, the nice players that former and current Tigers that I've encountered. I mean, really, I could list them, but they're I'd be listing half the team. And that's, you know, I think a credit I've covered sports, mainly football uh, for almost you know, what, 15, 20 years, and, and these Tiger teams are, are generally speaking made up of really good people that are nice to talk to, and, and that, that makes the job a lot easier. That's, that makes it fun. It's actually something I wanted to ask you about. This Is is this your first baseball beat? Yes, yes. How how does it com – obviously, it's, you know, a grind of a season compared to football, but, like, how uh, – I don't know exactly how I want to phrase this question, but um, what does it compare to the, the football beat? Which have you enjoyed more? Uh, I mean, I did NFL directly before this. I did the Saints. And uh, I, I mean, the NFL, there's a lot of good things about covering the NFL because, I mean, mainly the fact there's only 16 games and you have kind of a rhythm. There's, you know, Sunday game. And so you have a kind of a, a rhythm and a schedule during the season. And then even during the offseason, there's kind of a rhythm and a schedule because all the, the free agency news happens in about a 24 or 48-hour span. And, you know, you've got the, the draft. It's just kind of – you can kind of get into an easier rhythm. Baseball, I mean, it, there's a rhythm too. It's just – it's a grind, the uh, the number of games. And you can't cover it the same. You can't treat a 162-game season like a 16-game season or else you'll, you'll lose your mind. You can't treat every game like it's game seven of the World Series or you'll lose your mind. I mean, you, I mean it's kind of like – the players like if you mm -hmm. if you write a bad story well there's there's another game tomorrow it's if you have a <laughs> bad outing as a pitcher there's another another game tomorrow it's kind of the same thing uh as a writer i would say just overall the nfl is it's not not so much the players although the players take after the coaches and in, in the front office but just the level of, of paranoia uh, and really i would say almost an adversarial kind of a built-in adversarial relationship with the media that just is is almost the default setting because there's such a, a level of paranoia about releasing any type of information and you know the, obviously that filters down to the players most of whom were very nice to deal with as well but but they're you know they want to keep their jobs and they want to keep the coaches happy so i mean i think that was kind of uh, uh you know that could get to kind of tiresome and the atmosphere in general in baseball and obviously i'm not covering the Yankees with, you know, in the tabloid atmosphere and the thick of a pennant race, it's, it's different probably in smaller markets versus lar larger markets or larger media markets anyway. But in general, the vibe in baseball is so much more laid back. You do have a chance to, to build more relationships with players to get to know them um, just because it's, you know, it's, it's just a, a lot more of a low key atmosphere. And uh, you know, it, it's, I, I generally prefer it. I think you have to, 
you do have to guard against burnout. I think everybody deals with it just because, you know, in the middle of the summer and, you know, especially day games after night games, it can just be a, a killer. But I think you, you learn to deal with it. I, the, the thing that amazes me, I, I look at Ryan Gardenhire, who's 62, I believe. And, you know, he has a lot of older folks on his staff as well. And it amazes me, you know, they have to be mentally engaged in a baseball game for, for three or four yeah. hours a day. Not like I can be up in the press box on, you know, Twitter or something and uh, look up every now and again to avoid getting hit by a ball, but they have to be mentally engaged on every pitch right. and they have to do it 162 times a year. And they have to do it on day games after night games when they're getting home at 1 AM and they have to wake up and, and do it the next morning. So I, I have a lot of respect for, you know, really everybody in baseball, but it, you know, especially folks like that uh, because it's not easy. It, it, it wears on you and it, it's worn on me at times, but I think the more you do it, the more you kind of get used to the rhythm. Well, Evan, I have to say you've been doing a great job um, making something out of nothing these yeah. days and, and, and <laughs> writing writing, writing stories where there's not a lot. Um, in fact, one of the things that you did in the last couple of days was you asked on Twitter about some of the more underappreciated or undervalued tigers in the last 20 years. And, um, so who, who was mentioned the most and, uh, do you have a horse in this race? Do you think, uh, somebody is, is undervalued? You know, it was actually, I had some ideas of my own, but I, I like sometimes to, especially since I didn't grow up in Detroit, it, it's helpful mm-hmm. to kind of, crowdsource those questions and <laughs> for sure and see what people say and i got a ton of responses but i would say without a doubt the uh the number one was carlos guillen and really looking at the stats that's a hundred percent uh reserved uh because he was you know with the team for i don't know what six to eight years i mean he was here a long time mm-hmm. uh and was really 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 good and i didn't i mean I, he was a better hitter than i remembered uh upon looking at the stats a lot of mentions of johnny Peralta yeah. too Yep, and it's funny because a lot of uh, in, I actually stole this idea from uh, someone on the Indians side, and there are a lot of Indians fans that mentioned Johnny Peralta as well, <laughs> uh, along with uh, Esdrubal Cabrera. Sometimes those, those infielders that are maybe like recent hitters but not elite hitters yep. can sometimes get overlooked. Uh, so he got mentioned. Uh, Placido Blanco obviously was another big one. I think he was probably number two again. Uh, he was a good choice. I like that. I mean, and the other question is not just, it's like, how do you define underrated or underappreciated? Because some people had thrown us some names out that I didn't really think, I I thought were very well appreciated. I mean, I, Maglio Ordonez, I mean, I think he's very well appreciated. Yeah. Uh, You know, some of the names, I mean, Austin Jackson, Curtis Granderson, maybe, I guess you could maybe make a case for Austin Jackson. I don't know. Uh, But I I feel like they were pretty well appreciated. Uh, I guess that's tough. That's I, I I did think it's a little fascinating. I think a lot of the names came up were were uh, Latino guys, and I I don't know if that's just a coincidence, but I don't know if it, if some fans just had a little bit of harder time connecting with them or thinking of them first. But I, I think some of those guys got got overlooked and and were and were way better than the the some of the love that they got. That was just my take on that. I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, these are maybe guys that don't do inter don't do interviews as often or on, on, on the yeah. TV as often uh, during their like, career. Yeah. Like, that might be it. Jose Valverde. I mean, I, I don't I'm know. I'm not giving you that one. Well, 
he was right. he was not good. <laughs> he had good results, but he was not good. So anyway, I um I appreciated that thread. I thought oh, there was a lot of good names, and it was a good walk down down memory lane. Speaking you know, of oh, speaking of not good, did you get any Ryan Rayburns? I was gonna put that, stop. but I, I was worried about my mentions. <laughs> I'm, you know, honestly, I don't believe I did. I'm, I'm scanning right now. I don't there. believe so. He was such a. <laughs> yeah, what do you do with him? You anyway. you put him in the lineup against left-handed pitching. You just got to know how to use him. There you go. <laughs> he was he was a guy. I don't know if there's been anyone that has had. He was. Really good, really bad, really good, really bad, really good. I think in like six consecutive seasons, he went from really good to really bad uh, so many times. Because I think he did it. He was with the – I think did he go for the Tigers, Indians, back to Tigers, or maybe vice versa, uh, where one of those teams got one of the good years and the other team got one of the, the terrible years. But, no, he definitely – he he was uh, – he had some zigzags. <laughs> he was a spring training hero, though. That's that's the the Was big takeaway from his career. Yeah. Um, so last question, I wanted to ask you. Um, obviously, the the players are doing the MLB the Show League. Nico is our representative, and the big news was that he hit a, a walk off home run to win one of the games uh, this past week. Using Jordy Mercer. Now I got to ask you. Obviously, you're around the team a lot more than me, but I don't know who he used from the bench. But if I have, you know, if I'm down one run. Where is one this out in the ninth? I'm not letting Jordy Mercer hit. Um, what would you do as a manager in that situation? That's a, I mean, that's a really good question. If you remember, though, at the end of last year, Jordy Mercer was hitting the ball really yeah, well, and it would not be, a, especially on last year's team, would not have been a totally outlandish pinch hit uh, decision. So I, I don't know what Nico's other options were, but I mean, if you're considering the bench, maybe you know, if you've got like. Harold Castro or something, and I don't know. Maybe they kept Dawa Lugo on that team. Uh, <laughs> we worked him back in. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe Jordy is not such a terrible option. I don't know. Although I guess if you kept both Harold and Dawa Lugo, Jordy might might not have made the team. Yeah, that's true. who knows? I don't know who, with an expanded roster. Who knows? Curious where Nico puts himself in the lineup. I'm assuming he thinks of himself as a shortstop first. I think he got to put himself there. Yeah, I think so. I think didn't he have him? No, he had him. He was batting second. I was yeah. going to say he was batting leadoff. No, he was batting second. So Mod- he modest. He, <laughs> maybe he's a sabermetrician. He knows you always put the the best hitter number two. <laughs> oh boy, Evan! Thank you so much for coming on the show, spending some time with us. Really, really appreciate it. Like Eric said, you were doing a great job of turning absolutely nothing into something pretty much every day. And we <laughs> we appreciate it. That's for sure. Thank you, guys. And, yeah, you, you inadvertently gave a sneak preview of what's coming later this week, which is the most underrated or underappreciated Tigers of the last 20 years. So if you if you want to read the actual story that came good. from that, that tweet, you can read it later this week on MLive. That's awesome. Yes, good. All right. Thank you, Evan. All right. Thank, thank you, guys. Evan. I appreciate it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast, Yanos. Hi, friends. I don't know if you know this, but we are in the middle of a global pandemic. Were you aware of this all? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. Catch the news at all lately? <laughs> Yeah, Twitter, of course. So um, this topic has calmed down a bit. But early on in the pandemic, we had a run on the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, you remember this? I, I do. Ha- has it really calmed down? I feel like that's kind of like, just like we were talking with Evan, the Tiger King and toilet paper. Those are like the two things that we talk about these days. The memes going forward. You know, it's it's weird that there was a run on toilet paper because, I mean, some of it was just like, a run uh it was panic and people just saw other people buying it and they're like oh boy i have to get some and also like toilet paper keeps forever like you can just store it in a closet or whatever it doesn't go bad so people are like oh well, it doesn't hurt to buy some extra and also like i thought this was fascinating people are legitimately using more toilet paper in their homes because they're not at work they're not at restaurants actually true out. i hadn't thought about that they're they're going more at home so they they need more toilet paper so, you know, there are some sort some shortages and, you know, people, you know, run the risk of running out. So I came, I'm coming to you with the top seven and bottom three toilet paper substitute. <laughs> I was, I got to guess, I was curious pinch, where this was going. If you're in a pinch, where are we going? What are we doing? This All right, let's get into this. This is, this is nope. <laughs> prepositions taken to the next level. Okay. Um. If if you have, you know, young children in the car, they're either going to think this is hilarious or maybe you want to turn it off because we're going to get into some uh, some talk about excrement. No, don't don't tell the kids to turn it off. This is <laughs> this is designed for them. This is content for five through twelve. This is perfect. OK, <laughs> number seven, dryer sheets. Dryer sheets. <laughs> I can see that. You know, we got a nice smell. They're kind of fresh. Yeah. But I mean, uh, is there going to be some kind of weird film? I think Maybe for sure. Skin yeah. Skin reactions. What about what about yeah. flushability? I think that's something else we're going to need to take into consideration here. Oh yeah, you drop those suckers in close enough. All right, that's cool. Fine. Drive sheets. Number six, uh, coffee filters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're in a, I can see that. If you're in a pinch. They're on the shelf. Pick up some coffee filters. Cheap. Available. Disposal. You know, they're flushable. It's fine. Aren't they? <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Number five is a washcloth or a hand towel. Man, that's that's you green. Know? You could reuse that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shouldn't. You could. Shake it out and throw, throw it in the wash machine. It's fine. 
Yeah, you got them on hand. They're in the closet, right? <laughs> Maybe. Hey, you're in a pinch here. All right. Number four is the bidet. Mm, now we're going fancy. Yeah. I okay. Mean, I've so heard a tale of them. These are growing in popularity in America because of this. Now, they're big in the foreign countries outside <laughs> the United States, I guess. But I got to tell you, Hall, I have some questions. I have a lot of questions about the bidet. Okay. I'll answer like, them for you. Number one, do you still not need some kind of form of mechanical removal? Of, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's just the squirting enough. I, I guess what it if, depends on the pressure of which it's squirted. Uh, so you're power washing your hinder? Like, I mean, is it? I think that's the general idea. You're pressure washing it, I guess. But okay, that still doesn't answer question number. And wait a minute, if you're pressure washing, isn't there a spray? Wouldn't there be like fecal overspray of your target area? Like it's just spraying everywhere. Not something I'd consider. Or head considered. Or does your butt, your buttocks form a seal containing the spray of the of bidet? I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. know. <laughs> I, don't I have, know a, how this I have works. a feeling that we're going to get a lot of tweets about this specific one. I have a lot of questions about bidet usage. And another thing is now you've sprayed your, your hind end. Is it now not wet? Yeah. What are you doing now? Maybe they have a, a, a Dyson air blade that goes in after and it goes back and forth. So you're just spur you're blow drying your literally hot air, hot air up your butt. <laughs> Maybe this is where the expression comes from. Would have thought of that. Who would have? The, the bidet is only number four because I I'm, I find it so confusing. Okay, number three is facial tissues. Or as we call them in my house, Kleenexes. Yeah, yeah, pretty run of the mill uh, substitute. So they're disposable, flushable, you know, paper products like the TP. But uh, they're kind of thin, you know. You run, you run the risk of a significant breakthrough. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of bad. Be careful. <laughs> Number two. Um, I would say baby wipes or wet wipes. Mm. They're kind of designed for this purpose. Yeah. Engineered for this task. But uh, they're kind of wet. And when, you know, some people are into these, but I, I think I would find it kind of slimy. Yeah, I would think in. so. Yeah. Uh, so that gets us to number one. What do you got for the TP alternatives? I have I have no guesses. This is not something I had right. ever considered prior to 10 minutes ago. <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. I guess so. Uh, I, I would go with the paper towel. Oh, paper towel. It's so rough. Thick, you know. It, it does have enough. strength, yeah. It's so rough. You know, you can flush it in a pinch. It's fine. It's textured. Really remove... <laughs> you're fine with the paper towel that's my go-to uh so there you go if you're in a pinch now you know um okay the bottom three <laughs> so to speak so to speak <laughs> third from the bottom if you're stuck go the shower curtain oh i feel like that you comes know? from personal experience hey 
the shower curtain is very uh, available, probably. But, um, you know, it's big. You got to take it all down. It's, I mean, it's a bad deal. It's a bad day if you're using the shower curtain. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a real problem. Um, <laughs> your face fucking cracking up. <laughs> Sorry. Number two, sand sandpaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that one not being not being real helpful. <laughs> it's good. It's good at removal, but oh man. <laughs> it'll it'll refinish the surface down below. If... Bad deal. <laughs> Okay, you ain't to cut some of this. Okay. Yeah. Number one. Number one comes with a story. And I got to tell you this story. When I was a kid, or when I was a high schooler, one of the guys I knew was a mentor to me, he was a drywall contractor. And he told me this story. One day he came onto a job site and um, he found a five gallon bucket. And in the bucket was some human scat right <laughs> okay there were some feces in the bucket but to top it off in the bucket as well was fiberglass insulation <laughs> smeared with with the dung <laughs> the only conclusion is this person wiped their butt with fiberglass insulation. <laughs> Can you imagine? That is, that's it. That's number one. Wiping your butt with fiberglass, the pink cotton candy looking fiberglass insulation. You would never want to live. You would want, you, you, no, it'd be over. You'd be, you, that's the worst thing I could possibly think of. That's power rankings. Hello, this is Eric's mom. And you're listening to the podcast Yanos. Poor Evan came on our show and he's got followed by that load of crap. <laughs> <sighs> oh my gosh. All right. Have you st- save us, Hall? Have you seen anything good alongside the road while running? So I actually have a bit of a story. Um, I alluded to this on Twitter. Um, probably, certainly the most exciting thing I've ever seen on the side of the road while running. Did you Did you see this? Or is this no? a complete surprise? What? All right. Cool. I was hoping it was a surprise. I saw a cop chase. Like, really? OJ style cop chase. Like a high speed or a low speed? High speed. Okay. So here's, here's, really? the, here's the story. So I'm running up this like fairly long straightaway. It's a, you know, 55 mile an hour country highway. Um, not, it's fairly country. Like, you don't really pass many cars. And ahead of me, uh, I see this cop car, like, zooming with its flashers up. And, you know, you see cops from time to time. I'm like, oh, wow. He's, you know, he's in a hurry. So I kept on running. Um, make a turn onto the road that the car, that the cop was on. Um, and from behind me, I hear a car absolutely flooring it. I turn around, like, over my shoulder. It's this crappy maroon Subaru. Um, which is classic Traverse City because 97% of the cars in Traverse City are Subarus. It's actually one of the things I'm most looking forward to moving to South Bend for is no longer feeling guilty about not driving a Subaru. Um, but anyway, the crappy maroon Subaru is flooring it, heading towards the main road 
and right on his tail are two cop cars now, both with their sirens going. Um, I'm not a car guy. I'm not good at estimating speeds. But, like, I've been running for a long time, and I've never seen cars going that fast. Had to be pushing, like, 70 or 80. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So I just keep on running. Because, you know, I've run for a long time. Um, so I head through the backside of, of my neighborhood and end up out on the main road that the that the car was, was coming to. But it was, you know, 10 minutes later. It wasn't like it was still going on. So I get out to the top of the hill and onto that road where the car was headed and up ahead, I don't know, maybe half mile, like the next intersection, I just see a mess of flashers. There's cops on all four like corners of the road blocking traffic. So there's an ambulance. There's cars everywhere. Um, and I'm like, do I dare? I didn't dare. I just turned around and went back the other way. But I'm like, I got to know what's happened. So like three days later, I found on the Traverse City ticker, which is kind of like our digital newspaper, the following story. Deputies, this is uh, condensed for readability. Deputies attempted to make contact with a man who was believed to be shooting the firearm on school district owned land, which was where the original cop was headed to the guy. Um, The man was sitting in his vehicle and would not get out when asked. The subject floored the accelerator and began driving eastbound at a high rate of speed. Uh, The suspect continued traveling at a high rate of speed and he struck a sheriff office patrol vehicle that had the emergency lights on and was attempting to place stop sticks, which let's just stop there. I didn't know those things had a name, but I'm glad that they're called stop sticks. Cause that's really cool. Um, and the suspect was taken into custody at the scene of the crash. Um, this is where it gets gets weird. During the investigation, it was determined that the suspect had just cut off his tether, um, which he had to uh, wear from a domestic case. Yep. A handgun was located under the seat of his vehicle, and he was booked for fleeing, eluding, bond violation, driving with a suspended less, uh, license, a misdemeanor warrant, and a potential concealed weapon violation. Yeah. I, it sounds like he didn't put a lot of thought into the, <laughs> should I run away from the police? Much like these this. things seem to rarely work out like, yeah, I ran away from the police and uh, yeah, just drove away, got away and it was fine. Yeah, like, Don't hear a lot of stories going? like that. Like, that was my main thought. Yeah. Like the, the direction he was going was more towards like town and open road as opposed to the other direction. But like. Traverse City's not that big. Like you got to get out of town a yeah. long way before you have, you know, elbow room. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. Not, not... It was a poor choice. Not not good decision making. Yeah, and he he did not win. So let that let that. Don't happen. run away from the cops, kids. Mm-hmm. And also, don't flush the majority of the things that Eric just told you that you can flush. I feel like we should get that disclaimer in there. Do it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's the end of that story. Um, Got to got to be witness to a crime or something. I mean, I yeah, guess the leading them on a high speed chase would be a crime. So I was a witness to that, for sure. Yeah. So if you want to get in touch with the show, you can on Twitter. I am at Jordan Hall twenty three. Eric is at Eric Wayne's Brain. Evan is at Evan Woodbury, and the show is at Podcastianos. And we would love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud or whatever other platform you're listening to the show on. Um, next week, maybe we'll do a, a listener question uh, yeah. only show. That could be fun. Could also be a train wreck. I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out. Um, 
but uh, also let us know if there's somebody else that you'd like to hear us yap to. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. We should take every single question and it, it, however long it takes us, we're going to answer every question regardless of how dumb it is. <laughs> It'd be fun. All right. You heard the man. We're going to answer every single question. <laughs> <laughs> what else are we doing? I'm not going I anywhere. I got nothing else going on now. Yeah. <laughs> we got no social life. It's mm-hmm. fine. Didn't before. Still don't. Uh, anything yeah. else to say to the people before we get out of here for the week? I'm sorry. I just apologize to Evan for for being part of this. I feel like Evan <laughs> he's, would he's enjoy being that. a good sport. <laughs> oh, we'll find out from his editors. With that being said, uh, we will catch you guys next week. And eat them up, Tigers. Eat them up. Goodbye. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.